Hello, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. It's great to be back. Greetings from the South Circular Road. I apologize if there's a sound of passing traffic. I'm I'm up early this morning. Well, I'm up early every morning, but I'm recording this introduction early this morning. So it is rush hour outside my window here in Rialto, Dolphin's Barn. Uh, we have a wonderful episode coming up. It's myself and Steve. Uh, it was really meant to be a part two of our discussion on masculinity, as promised. However, um, we ended up really talking mostly about fatherhood. In Steve's case, talking about his own journey as a dad and how his relationship with his daughter has evolved. And I guess just the, you know, a man's journey uh, through uh, the process of uh, how childcare affects him and his relationship with his wife, uh, the the journey of his relationship with his daughter, um, his own thoughts on himself as a man, himself as a dad. And it was very interesting. Uh, and then, I guess as a result of that, I ended up talking a bit about my dad, which I don't know why, but I sort of revisited a bit of my dad's story that, you know, I wrote about in, in My Dad Was Nearly James Bond, but it was... It was nice to talk about it again. I mean, my dad has a very interesting story, so I was happy to to tell his story. And then we do, just at the end of the episode, touch on some issues around uh, gender and um, just simple things like why do girls play with Barbies and guys don't, that kind of a chat. Uh, But we don't get too into it because we feel like that's that's a broader discussion for the future. Anyway, it's a wonderful episode, so do do check it out uh, before we get going. Just usual bit of admin, me and Mama on sale. You know, if you're in Cork, uh, Saturday is sold out and Friday is basically gone. So if you're looking to go, get on those Thursday night tickets, Thursday, March the 5th. Um, next Friday, uh, the, um, Friday the 28th, I'm in Cavan also. And then after that, Limerick and Wexford, uh, if you're looking to come to the show. Uh, the second week of March. And uh, anyway, I'm at Des Bishop. Steve is at Hello Steve-O. So we do love feedback from the app. Anyway, here is this week's episode. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right. Well, Steve, we're here. Good to be back. Good to be back in my sitting room. We're here moaning about our hamstrings. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> if anybody's wondering about where the low energy is coming from, two older men. How old are you again? Um, I'm 34. Yeah, you're, so you're, you're 10 years younger than me, but yeah. two, two men, different ages, complaining about the limitations of the older man body. <laughs> Do you think that Joanne McNally actually gave me this theory recently and it's kind of freaked me out in my head. She says, so, so you're a bit ahead of me. She says, the body you have as a 40 year old is going to be the body that you're going to have for the rest of your life. That's the one that you're trying to maintain, essentially. So she's saying to me, before I'm 40, try and get in, get in a little bit better shape. Do you, is that, do you think that's true that you're trying to maintain the 40 year old body? No, just no. straight up bullshit she made up. Thank you, Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> she's getting in my head. She says things like, oh, you're, I see you're growing a little Fred Cook. I'm like, all right, Joanne, calm down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just make some comments about her fucking physical appearance and see how she deals with it. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, anyway. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll we'll get her on to discuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get her on to discuss that. She's, you know? ga- she's gas, gas. But uh, anyway, it it does. Listen, it it sucks, man. You know, and if you're talking to a younger person, and when people that were older talk to me years ago, I remember Barry Murphy and Arnold and Kevin Gildy when we used to play the football match in Kilkenny. Yeah. They would complain about how it sucks being older and that they can't run hard and they're 
their knee is messed up or something. And I used to be like, I'm just, that's not going to be me. I used to actually <laughs> think this isn't going to be me. And now I don't even play that match. Because you even, probably could though. No, I absolutely could. Yeah. I just don't want to take the risk. Yeah. Okay. You know, like I have, I have sports that I take risks in now and that would be squash, beach volleyball. Right. And, you know, just like general sort of like spinning and, and yeah. gym stuff. I don't take the risk with football. Contact. Basketball, well, do you ever play basketball? Don't, I will never, I won't play basketball anymore. I mean, I played a bit. I was never great at it, but you know, I used to enjoy playing. I used to play here in Inchicore and the Obelisk. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was fun. It was a good workout, but I will not play that anymore. Too easy to go over on your ankle. Okay. I do a lot of injury prevention stuff because, you know, right now I think I have a, a grade one tear in my hamstring, although we, it hasn't been verified, but that's what, that's, five. <laughs> that's what, that's what this discussion, that, that I press record immediately after I told you, I think it's probably like less than a grade one, like a point five, <laughs> uh, which if you're, if you're old enough to, to know what we're talking about, you get it. And if you're in your twenties, don't worry about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, I won't play basketball, I won't, I, football too, just, you know, because, because I don't play a lot when you go out and you play that that match even when i was in my 20s playing that match i was always so beat up afterwards like physically yeah i got um and it's actually on video i got a bang on my back it was my first time playing it last year and it was uh i can't remember her name it was the it was the the girl uh who's tough she plays like do you know what I mean but she does not hold back in a tackle but um the I one went, that works for the festival. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, I went up for a header with the goalkeeper as a corner that came in. And all of it, like I came down after the header, but she came down on the small of my back. I was like, ah, fuck. it just didn't make sense to me. And I was winded and it was like sore for days. It was badly bruised on the bottom of my back. My girlfriend happened to be filming that moment. And I looked at it, looked at it back. And the girl hadn't even jumped up with me, but gave me a little nudge so that I, when I was up midair, I just came back. I wasn't going to get the ball, but I came down, boom, in the small of my back. Ooh. But she'd give me a little shove. Do you know what I mean? Wow. So, yeah, it there you dirty. go, bro. Yeah, yeah. So I'm payback next year. <laughs> yeah, that, that bitch is getting it. <laughs> but well, it was well, so... Welcome to the cauldron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, like 50-50 balls, man. She would be going straight through. It was a... Uh, it was tough. It was good fun, though. It was good fun. I play a game on a Sunday that is, I'm the youngest in the game by a long shot. So there's uh, guys 40s and 50s, but man, some of the injuries that people get, it's just, you're right, it's horrific because they're older and things are going to go worse. You know, lads have done their hamstrings recently, uh, uh, torn ligaments and ankles, yeah, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Like, oh. Sucks, man. But I feel like it's worth it for the beach volleyball because it's just like so much fun. Yeah. And like, at least the, the way I feel like, at least with beach volleyball, more often than not, if you get an injury, it's because you came down funny on your ankle or, you know, you, you pulled something when you jump. It's not a case of I clashed into somebody and, yeah. you know, so you, you've got a little bit more control. And when it's, when it happens, it's, it's your fault. And squash, you know, it is, it, it is easy enough to get injured in squash, but it's so intense that it's worth it for me, mm. you know? Anyway, let's not, let's not turn off our listeners too much with fucking squash. Like, <laughs> It's such a sport Squash of the seventies. It's coming back. Apparently, it's coming back, getting popular again. Desi's bringing it back. It's so it, it is. It, it, I think when people think of squash, they do think of sort of like guys in their like like kind of like Pat Kenning in his prime. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's the image that people get, like like Pat Kenning with tight shorts, good- <laughs> with, with his with his with his goggles on. Yeah, you know, it's just like yeah, I'm just on a break. But it's so great to get a. Sw- I've never actually played. Oh, I did once actually, but it's so great for a sweat. Isn't yeah, but I'm in. All, I'm also now in addiction mode because, uh, yeah, I, I've played at various times in my life. I've had times where I played a lot of squash, and then it disappears. This is this period of squash play is after a long break, uh, probably since before I went to China. Have I played regularly? And uh, but my buddy, like one of my closest friends, has gotten back into it as well, and he got in. He got into it a little earlier than me. So he he's been beating me. Okay. Except I beat him last week because I you know I'm getting better. So now yes. I'm like I'm super motivated. Yeah, yeah, because to... it's the competitiveness that. Oh matters. yeah, it's great though. I mean I fucking love that. I mean he's like, I mean he's my friend, but we have almost more like a brotherly friendship on the court. It's very intense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hold back. Well, like it's you can't. It's very no, but like we we, uh, we argue a lot, and it, it's like. It does not matter, yeah. but but we carry on as if it's the most important thing yeah, in the yeah. world. Yeah, you know. And at the end of it, you shake hands, and that's it. It was good. And game. it is true. We we shake hands, and you know, we have another friend 
that we play with. And he's like, not that he's not into the conflict, because he when he, when he gets annoyed, he likes an argument too. But more more often than not, he just doesn't take it as serious as us. And he, he kind of annoys us when he's just like, hey, it's no big deal. And it's like, all right, well, if it's no big deal, then why the fuck are we here? You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's nothing worse than playing a game or something and somebody's not fucking trying hard. It, like, it does your head in, doesn't it? Like, and, well, well, or, I, or they're passing it off as that. It's like, bullshit, we all care. Bullshit, we all care. Yeah. Like, 100%. <laughs> there's, there's a comedian, I'm not going to name him. He's not Irish. But he clearly cared. But then whenever he sort of like would lose his intensity, he would act like it didn't matter. And it's like, yeah. mate... Pick one or the other. Yeah, 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 don't yeah. Don't fucking yeah. don't pretend now that suddenly you know suddenly you've lost a bit of interest that it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a total cop. But apparently, it's a thing in jujitsu where um you know if you're for example a black belt in the gym, you're obviously the best in the gym. You see, but if you're rolling with some of the younger guys or some of the guys that are of lower belts, if you can apparently this is the thing if they can see they're about the black belt is about to get choked out or they're going to have to submit they'll stop they go uh they'll stop the role and kind of go stop it hold on a sec so that was good what we were doing there but i could show you the best <laughs> way of doing it. like it's bullshit <laughs> it's total bullshit and um, we just got to take your loss don't you take your l as they say yeah well anyway which is you know this level of competitiveness uh, brings us back to well, i mean this is meant to be sort of a, a part two of our chat about mm. masculinity which it may or may not be because I watched, uh, I think, the majority of the rest of that uh, what's on YouTube. And uh, I wasn't hugely inspired by the rest of it in terms of like more discussion stuff. But anyway, um, I'm sure all our listeners haven't watched it. So we, we, can, we, you know, we should only use that as a, as a jumping off platform. But actually, funnily enough, since we're on the subject of kind of competitiveness, mm. you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a competitive guy when it comes to like playing sports, you know. And I feel like a lot of my life, that has often been leveled at me as a, as an insult or certainly a criticism of my personality. Mm. I I definitely get get that a lot, especially from my parents, stuff like that as well. But it's definitely something within the the male culture. I even got into an argument, and like I'm never, I'm so ashamed to even say it because I like I look down on this kind of carry on, but I would never get involved in anything on Twitter. <laughs> But I, with one of my mates, I got into a Twitter argument about football, and it's just embarrassing what you degrade yourself to the points that you're making. But it comes from a root of competitiveness. It's like, I don't know where it comes from. It's like the need to, I don't even know if it's the need to win, but it's definitely the need to battle something out. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but I mean, I get my back up in an argument, same as in a, in a match. Yeah. You know, what, what that, I keep forgetting to check what, scientifically what goes on when you get into a situation where you don't want to be wrong yeah you know what is it what is it in that and 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 this goes in like in relationships too what 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 kicks off in you the minute somebody challenges whether you're right or wrong in a situation and why does it become so important to be right and why is it so depressing Mm. when you're wrong when Mm -hmm. when really what happens is well, now I'm never going to be wrong about this again yeah. because now I know. But instead, it's it's so horrible <laughs> to be wrong. Do you think there's do, shame attached to that? Possibly. Do mm-hmm. do you do you identify with that? Uh, I I yeah, I identify on. Um, that's where we should probably get my girlfriend in here. <laughs> she goes, "Yes, he does this all the time." But it's there's definitely a point of where the arguing is going. For example, with my girlfriend or with the, or with a friend, where yeah, there's there's a switch there. There's something that happens where you're just not going to give up until yes. the point has been made that the other person gets it, and that is the end of the conversation. <laughs> a I mean, Google bit, you know? Google is great for this nowadays. It stops a lot of things escalating because you can just Google and be, "All oh, right, I didn't know that. That's yeah. fine." Yeah, yeah. Right? But it's not always a Googleable situation. No, no. Know? And I think you're right about there is, it feels like there is a chemical, because it is a feeling, isn't it? So there must be some chemical thing yeah, going on. Yeah, well, inside. I mean, whether it's fight or flight, which yeah. it feels like sometimes, mm-hmm. like, like I wondered, I, I, listen, this is just total throwing out an assumption here. But I wonder if there's, if it goes back to some sort of self preservation thing of, you know, feeling threatened. Yes. That that almost it kicks off something in you that's similar to the sense of your safety, you know. I wonder if it comes from the same place that you're, you 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 know you're threatened by this 
situation where you might be wrong. I th- I, th- I think so. And I think sometimes it can be taken as an attack on your identity is something that I've learned recently. So if if I'm having an argument with the amount of times that has happened with my girlfriend, for example, where I've suggested something and she takes it as I'm saying she's a shit mother or something along those lines. Right. Like, whoa, whoa, I was just saying close the door. or Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But how the connections can can just go, you know, it's a domino effect, blah, 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 and she thinks that I'm, attack- I'm attacking her identity as a mother, and she won't admit that, but when you get to the root of it, ultimately what it is is that she thought, and, and, and vice versa, she could say something to me, and I get really upset by something, and she doesn't realize, well, that's connected to the way you said that, about bum, 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 yeah. bum, and I take it that you're saying that I'm a shit dad, or, or, or whatever like that. And um, so, you know, sometimes there's definite connection to the fight or flight you're defending your identity like if you feel like you're being questioned as to who you are as a person yeah i mean i often i often think that well from a from an external observation if i step back from myself and i have a look at myself it's probably easy for me to see what you're saying and go yeah there's probably some insecurities that are Mm. being that, that are being pinged here um uh, you know why those insecurities are there who knows but even from an analytical point of view sometimes i i just wonder like what what do you really think you're going to lose yes by just being like yeah you're right i mean obviously there are times where you need to fight your battle because it's 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 something that it's not a right or wrong you know whatever mm. but often it's just like why do i feel so you know there's just I feel like I'm losing so much by just being like, yeah, you're right. And 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 suddenly you feel like weak. It, yes. Now, it doesn't last, but there is this fear of appearing weak yes. in this interaction. And it, it's not just relationship ones. It's just like, it can be like with another comic. It can be with anybody. Of, do you notice common threads in, in, in personal insecurities that you have that you, you if you were to step back now, and you, that you would go... Well, no, I don't notice I don't common really threads like. in terms of or common I'm not, I'm things. Not, I'm not consistently aware of this enough to to have really paid attention mm. to the the common threads. Other than the common thread is there is a certain scenario where you 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 feel like you need to be right or else uh, you know it's going to be horrific. And I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration, but that 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 is the the common thread. I, I don't know what's behind it, mm. but it is. It is amazing how, in that moment, it seems so important. Yeah, totally. And it's and 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 I know from my sense of it that there's an embarrassment at the end. So it is a type of shame, but there's an embarrassment. The flip side to being right is embarrassment. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, and that it, and literally maybe, physical maybe, blushing. Literally, I can feel that. Like, ugh. yeah, and and yeah, I know that actual feeling of like the blood rushing to your head yeah. and you can't concentrate. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a similar feeling to when you've you've not had a good interaction with a heckler, but you have to keep performing mm. even though you feel quite yeah weakened. You know, you feel like you've lost a bit of your and you feel that like the audience you might have lost the audience and they yes. can feel the same yes. thing and yes. you are just pushing up there. Yeah, yeah. and I'm sure I, I'm sure right now if we had a psychoanalyst, they'd be able to the, the, like those two examples and the fact that they've come out. There's probably there's probably some information there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there might be a comment or two come through, but. It. I wonder sometimes should we, should we have more dis- rather maybe we should in in relation to this, maybe there should be some discussion about how that embarrassment, that sense of how you feel in that moment where you're wrong, should just be embraced. Mm. That it's fine to be wrong, and everybody's wrong sometimes, and you don't need to feel like because sometimes I then feel like. This later on shame of, oh, you're such a fucking argumentative asshole. Mm. Why do you have to fucking get into everything? Just fucking let it go. It doesn't matter. You know, I do end up like with an aftermath of remorse. Yes. You know? I do. I I think literally in the last couple of weeks, I've noticed uh, myself withdrawing from uh, conflict situations and not in a negative way, not that like, "Ah, I don't care anymore. I think it's the first time in my life where I've literally started going... I just gotta, in the context of the day and what's more important, I'm just gonna let this go. Yeah, I just gotta save myself from the hassle. Yeah, and yes. a guy, a guy, um, uh, gave me this metaphor years ago where he was talking about his marriage, and he was saying when when 
they first the, the early years of the marriage it was just like every fucking little thing mattered and it was like standing on the bank of a river and all these ships are going by in the river and you're hopping from ship to ship to ship because like this fucking thing matters this thing matters blah blah and then the longer he goes into the relationship the more he sits on the bank and lets, lets the ships go by and I thought wow that, that's great and um, more often than, than not it's actually uh it gives perspective. It gives you know. It, it just you don't have to be hopping on every little ship, but it's not something that we're naturally good at. I certainly don't feel I'm naturally no. good. Well, at I mean, it. it doesn't matter. Usually, a day or two later, it's irrelevant. But yes. it does seem so important at the time. Goes back to the point that you made actually there in, in the last podcast that we did about you know some of the things that you worry about in, even in your own head with your own uh, life when you're just being independent and you're spending a lot of time on your own. If you actually get out there and in the world and do stuff you've realized two or three days later that thing that you're worrying about isn't even there definitely often the case uh just just before we jump go too far the joke i have about uh you know this thing of the i used to argue about everything and everything didn't matter i used to have a joke about uh you know instead of going to priests for marriage advice it should you shouldn't you shouldn't go to like you should just go to married people like priests can't give you good marriage advice because they're not married yeah because a married person will give you good advice you know you, you come to you come to like a married person you're like bro what am i gonna do like she's fucking crazy you know and uh you know i don't know what to do it's like i'll tell you what you want to do you got to make decision you want to be right or you want to be happy <laughs> <laughs> You can't be both. You want to be right That's or you want true. to be happy. It's so you know? true. I was watching the Chris Rock thing on Love There again the other day and it's just like... Uh, Does he say something like that? He doesn't say... Well, I mean, the feeling of it is like he he basically goes, um, you know, men, you got to get every get up every day in the mirror and you got to look in that mirror and you got to go fuck you fuck your dreams fuck what it is that you want to do with this life now let's go make this bitch happy (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. which i'm sure some people would maybe there's some it's dated material yeah Yeah, yeah, it's dated but you know what though it i i think i think on one level, you could look at that and say, "Oh, it's dated. It's 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 misogynist." But on another level, I think men and women in relationships could look at that and just be like, "Yeah, that's funny." I think and, people and would still laugh. The, at it, yeah, and there's the other side of the joke, exactly, which is you know, I, you know, there's the there's the, the the female perspective of that joke, which is just as funny to men and women. Totally, also. Yeah, which is basically worse, lazy fuckers. Who yeah, don't. I think it would be a pity to lose that. Yeah. But then on a more practical level, which I've definitely talked about, whether it was on this podcast or on the shift, is that so often i haven't been in a serious relationship for a while but so often i think more than 50 percent of arguments would be resolved by you just both just stepping away and being like totally let's take an hour mm. let's revisit this when the when the when the the testosterone and whatever's running around in you has dropped yes this fight or flight this yeah. needing to be right yeah let's 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 get rid of that yeah and come back to this in an hour the problem is that it can be so hard to step one person usually will not want to step away yeah you know and yeah. that, i'm not saying one or the other would always be the person that doesn't want to step away it really can depend on the scenario totally yeah but the the sense of the emotions controlling that moment will will cause one of one of the two participants to possibly not want to step away but i feel like when you do step away when you re- return to it an hour or two later sometimes not always it, it will look very different. The emotions in, the, in, in those moments is going to do more damage than good, I find, in my experience. Yeah, you, know, just you, can't, you, you, have to, you have to get down to logic. Yeah, you can't argue with a hormone. No, no, you totally that's can't. Dil- that's Dil- Dil- Dylan Moran had a joke Did years he? ago. He goes, uh, That's great. He just goes, um, You know, because once once a woman cries, you've, you've lost. Yeah, you know, yeah. which he doesn't think is fair because crying doesn't prove that you have more of a capacity to feel. It proves that you have more of a capacity to cry. <laughs> That's uh, great. Yeah, but 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 the, but the point is that you know, with a lot of this stuff, and some of it has to do with emotion. Which which this is not a fair reflection of an argument where, say, your wife is complaining that. You're, you're not affectionate enough or something that, mm. that's like a different thing because that's mm. like that's like her being honest about her emotions yeah. you know that's yeah, different yeah. okay yeah. but in a situation where it's like you know you you didn't do what you said you were supposed to do yeah. and you know whatever it's always better to just come back from the the, the sense of being aggrieved if you mm. can just drop that a touch mm. and just get into the solution zone i think it's better to step away 
Totally. We actually had a fucking major episode there the other day where, you know, we haven't got to a solution yet, but it was totally, um, I was the, I was the one who was getting upset in the moment and not feeling, not feeling that she was trying to see my point of view at all. And actually, part of that, what you're talking about, the stepping away, is you step away, let the emotions come down and let's see the other person's point of view, both people. And, Maybe that's what love is, but you know that that's that's a huge part of it because she didn't real. I got really upset about something, and she had no fucking clue. She hadn't a clue until I got upset about it, and then you know, a few days later when we will talk about it, or whatever. She she sees it from a different point of view, but you kind of want to be doing that before the other person gets upset. Do you know what I mean? So, but do you think that's yeah? I don't, I don't know. But do, do, do you wish in advance that you had uh, communicated in in the build up? I think there's a an element of we definitely need to work on communication, but there's an uh, yeah. Well, I, I wish I wish things had been communicated in the bill, but like there's definitely not the space there as well. So that's something that we're like it's I don't tough. have. The you space. have a young kid, like yeah, but there's not the space there for like. Here's the thing that don't say too much. You don't want to fucking you don't want to end up with an argument about fucking giving away too much of your life on the podcast. Ah, she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but but like in 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 our I mean I talk about so much of it on stage anyway. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know in in our relationship, she has been the center of attention as it should be for the like first three years of our relationship because of the nature of it because she got because pregnant. We, well, yeah, she got pregnant. So everything that that involves, like everything, you know, it, there there was a moment for me, like the Chris Rock thing, where I'm looking in the mirror, going, "Doesn't fucking matter what you need now, Stephen. You got to look after these two, you yeah. know." So there was there was a genuine physical moment of that happening, and then you know the baby comes along, and you everything that I'm doing, everything is to make sure that they're okay, you know, financially, yeah. uh, you know, the sleep, you know, you know, uh, health, all that kind of stuff. You're not thinking about gigs or writing, you know, all that stuff. That all becomes, work becomes way secondary, you know. But that happens for a good two years and nobody is, and this is not a complaint, it's just something that I probably have realized that I've struggled with and we're only starting to talk about it now. But it's something that for those two years, my daughter's two and a half, nobody has ever come to me and gone, what's it? How are you feeling about being a dad? Or oh, really? How's you mean that? in your family or anybody? Anybody? Friends, family, nothing like that. Like you know, we never had a wet the baby's head moment or anything like that. And I mean, there were circumstances. My daughter was born in a different country. You know, all d- different things. But my, and my girlfriend has gone through so much, and it was it was everything was hard, and everyone's there to support her, and absolutely, and she's an amazing mother, and she does a great job. Um, and but it is also okay to be like, what about me? To- and I, that's where I'm at now. Like, my daughter's two and a half now, and I'm kind of, like, definitely in a bit of a hole kind of going, nobody is che- <laughs> nobody's checking in, kind of going, what's it like being a dad? And, you know, how do you do this? And how do you... No, it's never happened, you know? Well, what's it like being a dad, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Just out um, of curiosity. <laughs> that's a good... Um, I think recently uh, it changes all the time. I think the first year is really difficult, and a lot of uh, mothers actually talk about this a lot and i think it's pretty cool that they do the first year can be really tough for the for the father because you're irrelevant in the whole situation the like baby doesn't the baby does not has no interest in you best supporting actor yeah totally bro you know the baby doesn't need you physically doesn't need you so that's it's a hard in a world where you're trying to kind of go actually you're not even the best supporting actor you're the grip <laughs> yeah, yeah you're not an actor yeah yeah you're yeah, not yeah. you're not on your fucking you're behind the camera man best you know? you're in the rolling credits <laughs> yeah and um so the baby doesn't need you, and you're kind of, you're running around, as it should be, you're running around looking after the two of them. So the first year is, I found for me personally, any kind of intimacy with my child was like very hard to be able to express or be able to um, uh, to find that in, in any way. Because like uh, my girlfriend breastfed, you know, that was such an amazing mother-child moment. Yes. She gets to feel that all the time. There's no equivalent of that for a father at all. That, that, that just does not happen. Um, but now that my daughter's older, I'm starting to get moments of that. So she yeah. said, she knows, like, I love you, daddy. And she comes, she like, when I come home, she's excited and big hugs. And so all, all, all that stuff is only kind of starting uh, now. I wonder if that's, I, I, I got to think that that's probably like a lot of dads go through that. Oh, totally. Totally. I remember a guy, uh, a brilliant comic, Darius. I can't remember his second name because it's, it's an Arabic. I can't remember his second name, but um, he's, he's Arabic Welsh. 
um, and Darius had two kids and he was telling me when, when my girlfriend was pregnant, he was like, just remember that, you know, the kid's not going to give a fuck about you for the first year. I was like, Jesus, dude, calm down. Oh. And he, but he, but, but he, was, he was like, the kid's not going to give a fuck about you for the first year. And then after that, it's going to become more difficult for the mother because all that happens with the kid is they grow further and further away from that intimacy moment. The, the mother's never getting that back. So that can be that can be hard for the mother. And the, the child will actually become closer to the father uh, and will start to build a relation with the father. So, you know, it's tough on different levels for both the mother and the father yes. because the Changes happen in different ways, um, but now as as but now a, the most important thing, obviously, in terms of your relationship dynamic, mm, is that you make sure your daughter loves you more than she loves the mother. Absolutely, that's I mean it's essential. <laughs> that's how competitive we are. I do kind of think of those terms. I'm like, she woke up the other night and she didn't, and I picked her up. I was like, you okay? I'll put you back to sleep. And mommy came in, and mommy came to pick her up. She's like, no, mom. I was like, oh. I think she doesn't want you. See you later. <laughs> Close that door. <laughs> but that's kids, um, yeah. That, that's and that, that's kids. like different phases that they go through. Totally, it's very man. important not to take that personally. You know? Oh, totally. And she'll become a daddy's girl. Was, I mean, to be fair, my girlfriend is at the point of like, oh, she wants you? Great. See you later. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is fair enough. Well, especially because it's all natural. Like, you know? Exactly. That is the one thing I notice about parenthood when it happens. All the stuff that everybody tells you, but nobody tells you when it, when it all happens is that it's the most natural thing in the world. There's so much like, oh my God, what about the labor? When it's going to be born? Or, you know, they stress about so much stuff. But you, the thing I found about parenthood is that it's so natural. It's, it's not, it's not maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's not for everybody, but I think people overthink and overtalk it way too much. We've been doing this for a long time, you know. Oh, species, absolutely. You know, it's just natural, you know. Um, so that's the end. Well, that's the that what I didn't. We didn't intend to talk about that. No, we didn't. No, that's. <laughs> it'll be another. It's fun, bro. I think. I think it's fun. I don't know how my pulled hamstring led us into you talking about the fact that you felt <laughs> useless until very recently. <laughs> uh, the fucking the ham the hamstring effect. <laughs> How how a pulled hamstring will get men to be honest about their struggles as a dad? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know if it struggles, but I'm definitely. I think I'm coming into my own a bit more now that as a dad. Well, just be. I think. It, I think it's an age thing again. She's just coming to an age of like she would not get. My daughter would not get on the bus recently, and that was a whole day of me and her. And her mum was away for the day, and we achieved that by the end of the day. And the sense of pride after that is like yeah. Man. So it's but just you've also got like a little girl, like daddy's little girl. That's like a thing. Like I've only, I mean, obviously at times where I've been particularly broody, I've never saw myself having a boy. <laughs> like, like yeah, I, when, I, when I think about having a child, I always think about having a girl. Yeah. Me and my little daughter, you know? Yeah, I think I had in my head a boy beforehand, but it's weird. I had a feeling that it was going to be a girl and now I just couldn't picture having a boy. And we, we I had no sisters. And in my extended family, like it's like 75% That's boys. That's right, yeah. All yeah. boys. Yeah. But for some reason in my head, I keep thinking I'm going to have this fucking little girl. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I think it's better. Certainly as a man, maybe it's better to have a girl first. I don't know. Because that, uh, the eldest boy father relationship is always a difficult one, I think. How did you, how did you find growing up with your dad? The relationship was? Well, I left when I was 14, you know? That's true, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't great. <laughs> I did a whole show about it, bro. <laughs> Nah, I'd fine. My dad was easy to get along with, you know. Yeah. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. It wasn't the main relationship in our house. That's right. It was yeah. easy to resolve that one, you know. Yeah, yeah. You can go on my Instagram and see his. Uh, Eileen was the boss. Yeah, but you can go on my Instagram and see. Uh, see I thought that was beautiful. You posted that, yeah, yeah, the other yeah. day. Sorry, yeah. Go on, say about that clip. No, no, I'm just saying it's it, it's on there. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When your children come into the world, I learned that it's no longer my life. It's their life. And if you go through life that way with your children, you've got a shot. But if you don't, they pick up on it. And they'll never forget. Never forget. Oh, children and children elephants. elephants. Never they'll forget. They'll never forget. Never forget. My dad liked to repeat things for effect. Yeah, dramatic. Very actor. good. Yeah, well, that was a good moment. I mean, that was really the show-stopping moment of that yeah. documentary. But, but it's a good point. But funnily enough, when I was watching it again the other day, because I had to go back and get that clip, put it online, for the sole purpose of promoting the show about my mother, you know? Yeah. Which doesn't have half as many heartwarming moments. <laughs> uh, and uh, the thing is that I think a lot of people probably watch that and go, you know, he, he's, 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 pretty, he's pretty sure that he did a decent job as a dad, you mm. know, and he's thinking about his own kids. But actually, when he says, never forget, and he says, never forget twice. Yes. Thinking about himself. He's thinking about the fact that he knows that his parents didn't put him first. Oh, that's what he's talking about. He knows that. Because I was just about to ask you, is there is there stuff that you don't forget about your dad, but actually what he's talking about is him and his parents? Nah, he's t- he, I, I think he's, a, he, he's it, behind all that is the reality that he lived with a shadow over his head for most of his life based on what he experienced as a child. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think he's really just at the end. I feel like he's thinking about himself, mm. and I, and I think what what motivated him as a dad a lot was to not be like his parents, which is his mother was a paranoid schizophrenic and went to jail for the physical abuse that she inflicted upon him, and his father was a absent alcoholic that allowed that abuse to happen, and then actually disappeared for a number of years he reappeared and they had a relationship later in their life but he was not i mean he was wounded in world war ii Mm. you know his dad had his own issues but you know like you know he didn't have that you know did you have a relationship with his dad no he died in 1976 okay Uh, he never fully recovered you know he was wounded by shrapnel in dunkirk right wow my grandfather stanley bishop wow so he made it back on the boats yeah fuck yeah he was one of them so uh but you know the my dad was being like abused badly by his mother which particularly that happened a lot a little later on but uh you know my dad was in foster care for most of his childhood is that how he ended up in 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 cork at one stage is that where foster care happened no 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 he was evacuated from you know, my dad's mother was from Middleton. My dad's dad was actually from Sussex. My dad's dad is English. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I can do. You know? Yeah, yeah. The, the Nazis were the Nazis were a fight worth fighting. So you Absolutely. can't you can't be annoyed at my grandfather for going to fight the Nazis. You know. I just fin- I watched the World War II documentary. And it's fucking like it's a crazy science. it's a crazy, crazy time, time. Yeah. crazy. But anyway, my my grandmother. Uh, emigrated to sussex with her sister actually and uh they she married stanley bishop uh and so winston churchill said to if you have children if you have relatives outside of the uk you should send your children there okay so my father was raised in middleton by his uncles and his grandfather right so how many was he there for long just for the war i actually don't know the amount of years he was there but in his mind all his happy memories are in Middleton because yeah. his English childhood was horrific. So in my dad's head, his childhood was in Ireland. I don't actually know how long he was there. Okay. But that is uh, that is my dad's childhood. I mean, I did write a book about it, if you, if you want to know more. <laughs> but, I have read it. I read but, it when I was on tour in 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he, his sister, funnily enough, also came over but went to a different relations and she did not enjoy it. It's funny because my dad had this idyllic you know and it's possibly because he was a boy and it was easier for a boy but my dad had this idyllic childhood in middleton and she didn't and and she she very much hung on to her english identity she's quite ashamed of her irish identity oh. and perhaps because of the way that her mother was she 
she who knows man it's 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 pretty heavy but my dad was the opposite like in fact you know my grandfather converted to catholicism to marry my grandmother right because she wouldn't marry him she wouldn't marry a protestant uh but my dad's sister converted back to protestantism Oh yeah, when she married her husband. Genie, anyway, yeah, it's all it's all very complicated. <laughs> Different times; these things mattered back then, you know. Have you watched Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's been well, crazy. Killian's in it. I was at the premiere. Oh, that's right, I was at yeah. the New York premiere. Harry yeah. Styles was sitting right behind me. Oh wow! Oh my god! In London? No, in New York. In New York? In New oh, York. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we watched that in in um, in Lisbon when. Uh, my daughter was about like she was due to come in the next week or 10 days and obviously the sound of that film is quite uh you know it's it's quite a sound experience isn't it like yes. it really fucking makes it scary and puts tries to, uh, the best that it can to put you in that scenario as you're watching the film and well my daughter was booting around the the womb like he, he, oh, know, really? my girlfriend was like going, oh jesus calm down i don't think she likes this you just see a foot coming out here and christopher nolan yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pre- it was pretty intense, amazing, yeah. amazing film. But anyway, all all that started with my, my dad just wanted to make sure that uh, we didn't have that experience. Mm. Even though, weirdly enough, he allowed me to recreate some of his life. In that, I guess, in his mind, he thought Des will have a similar experience when he goes to Ireland. Now, I was a little older, but I think mm. it, I think in my dad's head, the thought of me going to Ireland was like positive. Okay. Yeah, so he thought you were going to have a great time. Well, he was right. I mean, you know, but, you know, I I guess in a way, had he not had the childhood that he had, he probably would have been like, I don't think it's a good idea for you to leave your family, you know, to go mm. 3,000 miles away from your family. Mm. But in his mind, I guess, you know, but he never hit us. That mm. was it. That was like, that was a lot of my dad's, a lot of my dad's motivation, you know? I love you. I never slapped you. No violence. Yeah. No, he grew up in total horrific violence. Mm. I mean, I have the newspaper clippings of his mother going to fucking jail. Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy. A lot of mental illness. Yeah, it's fucking... The whole violence against kids is fucked up, man. We used to get slapped around as well. It's like, what? Well, she was paranoid schizophrenic. She literally so thought she that couldn't... my dad was a, a child killer. There was... there was a, My dad has this memory of... Uh, at the time, there was some famous serial killer in the UK who w- was young or something to that effect. And my dad remembers that at the court case, uh, she said, I thought he was that person. Right. You know? Uh, you know, because she was in Holloway Women's Prison. She had a lobotomy in the end. Oh, really? Yeah. Shit, bro. They cut out a part of her brain. Add- oh, my God. In the end, yeah. Different times. Yeah. And unfortunately then, on top of all the abuse... My dad, I only learned this from actually a friend of my dad's, because when I, I went to my grandmother's funeral in 1997, I went to Bex Hill she on She lived sea, that long, right? Sussex. Yeah, she lived in a home for the, the latter part. But for a long time after the uh, lobotomy, she lived, you know, I guess with, 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 with partial ability, she, she, she lived independently with, with Stanley, I think. I think he, show, he came back, you know, he, he returned right to to being a a presence but i believe uh, my dad's friend tony dad who's actually passed away passed he died before my dad he told me when i was there in 1997 that it was quite difficult because she would be like walking around on the street in her underwear like sometimes she just wouldn't know what she was doing right post the post the lobotomy you know um, and so she got the lobotomy when she was uh, like i don't know right okay i don't know the exact details right but uh my mother told me that you know she was still she was i think she was already in a home you know she was in some sort of like facility mm-hmm. uh by the time my parents were together and living in london and she said that every now and then you would see it the fucking the evil would come out you know she would just flip and my mother remembers thinking, like, fucking hell, it was, it was just mad. You know, it was weird to see it, you know? Yeah, a f- different person all of a sudden. Yeah, it would, still, it would still be there a little bit. But, you know, he died in 1976. She was in that, I guess it was kind of like a nursing home. for quite, Well, I, I think my cousins in Middleton told me 
at one stage they had gone to visit her and she was in quite quite bad surroundings, like maybe old school mental institution type surroundings. Right. But she did end up in like a nice kind of nursing home environment. I think, I guess when she became docile enough, she ended up just like in a normal nursing home. I know that my dad visited her a couple of times. My dad visited her before she died. But he didn't come over for the funeral. I went to the funeral. I represented the family at the oh, funeral. Oh, really? But I was just bouncing over from here. Was that because he didn't want to? Or like, well, he just financially would be Okay, he just being right. You know? So yeah. it was New York to to the UK. UK. It didn't matter. Yeah. My, my aunt wasn't there. Right. I, I, you know, I was the... I'm sitting there at the front. I never met this woman. The first time I met her was looking at her dead oh, right. on a fucking table. So you never the, met her? Fuck. Never met her, no. And... uh and I was so close to my other grandmother, so it's so weird that mm. there was this nothing relationship with this side of the family. And uh, I saw her there lying in state. It was quite weird because I was like, wow, you're my grandmother. Yeah. I know course. nothing about you, you know? And uh, at the at the service, you know, which was like the crematorium, uh, you know, I was listed as like the number one chief mourner. You know, fuck, and you never met her. It was so weird, you know, because wow. like I'm the grandson, you know, like her, 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 her. Uh, was there any of her? One of her nieces was there, you know, um, and 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 a lot of her, actually. Oh no, a few of her nieces were there actually. Okay. Um, and and her grandchild, and uh, that, and then a few other local people, but it was quite it's, it's small, small like, funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Not too. I mean, Tony' dad was there. I stayed with him, you know. So it's it's kind of it was kind of weird that 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 part of my dad's life he pushed it pushed it fairly far away. And you know, my dad wrote some stuff. I included it in the book. But my dad had at one stage, you know, post Angel's Ashes, my dad thought that there would be some money in a <laughs> a, 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 a misery memoir about his childhood. And uh, the, you know, it's funny because my dad hated Angel's Ashes because he was like, "It's bullshit. It wasn't that bad," but. It, it, his life was so horrific. I don't know why he didn't realize that other people could have had. Because my dad mm. had Ireland in this, like he had Ireland on a pedestal. Yeah, you know, yeah. Ireland was like this, this safe place to him. You know, and uh, so when Malik or when Frank McCourt wrote Angels Ashes, he was like, it wasn't that bad. You know, I was in Ireland, it wasn't that bad. And it's like, mate, you know, I'm sure if you wrote your fucking misery lip, somebody would be like, this couldn't have happened in Bexhill on Sea. Yeah, it's yeah. Quiet English yeah. Sussex seaside town. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of backlash about, about Angelas, yeah. wasn't there? So anyway, my dad was going to write this misery lit thing, and uh, but he did he did write about it wasn't the, the obviously the abuse was fucking horrendous, but he also did write that it was really only towards the end of his father's life that he let go of the resentment of him not protecting him and also disappearing. Yeah. And so it was him and his sister. Was that was it? Was it your dad and his sister? Yeah, she's still alive. She's in Australia. She got a little mad at me over the book, which was weird because I called her and to verify all the information, and she gave me so much more information. I mean, she filled me up with info. You know, my dad was abused by a priest. You know, my dad said that he was abused by a priest, but honestly, it's terrible. But including my mother, all of us were just kind of like didn't really believe him, only because he was such a teller of tales. That, you know, he, you know, when suddenly all this abuse stuff came out, you know, suddenly he added to his litany of horrific things. And he had so much horrific stuff in his childhood. It's not that we didn't believe him so much, but just like, we, we probably had a little bit of doubt. That's a, yeah. It's a fact. But his sister did verify that that was true, too. And, you know, my dad, my dad wrote it, you know, he wrote about it, like, he wrote about it in, the, in that in that thing that he was writing. So my dad really couldn't have had a, a worse childhood. But anyway... Um. Well, oh yeah. So she gave me all this info. Uh, but then when we sent her an advanced copy of the book, she she was very angry about it, which was just weird because it was like, well, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be in only you told me, mm. you know. And she and I checked with her; she was very comfortable with it at the time. But I guess when you see it in print, yeah, yeah, it's a different ball game. Then you just, you know, feel embarrassed or whatever. And yeah, you still have a relationship with her at all? Or? Yeah, and I think my dad, my dad didn't resent her, but like she didn't get the abuse that my dad got. But mm. the mother, for some reason, was fixated on my father. You know, part of her mental illness was a fixation on... On him. Yeah, she got some, but nothing nothing compared to my dad. Plus, he got the, the double bubble of abuse by the church. Mm. You know, and then he was in a couple of foster homes. Like, it was a really, really tough childhood. Mm. And <laughs> to add insult to injury, this is funny but sad. So, 
when my dad was, you know, had cancer, it would, it would get chemo, the, the doctor was like, listen, the most important thing is it gets calories, but nobody wants to eat when they're getting chemo. So we find a spoonful of peanut butter is great because it's really high in calories, has a lot of protein. So just make him fucking have a spoonful of peanut butter. And he'd be like, oh, come on, man. It's fucking, it's disgusting, you know? So then when I'm going to write the book, I go back and I find the stuff that he'd written. And he he writes this story about how in the first foster home that he was in, you know, it was it was fine. But one day, he came home early or perhaps the the wife the, the 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 woman of the house didn't know that he was there and he could overhear her talking to her friend about him and said that uh oh he you know he's okay but he he eats too much peanut butter or something or he finished off the peanut butter and it fucking killed him that like you know cuz he's obviously looking for like a home yeah. And they're concerned about the amount of peanut butter that he oh, ate. Jesus, yeah. And he never ate peanut butter again for the rest of his life. And at the end of his life... <laughs> You're shoving peanut butter down. Children are <laughs> fucking... Fuck it. And his wife was like, get upstairs and make him eat that fucking peanut butter. <laughs> this poor guy is coming to the end of his life and it's like, I'm bringing him back to like one of his... Yeah, you know, yeah. One of his... Like, Traumas. Like, well, you know, that was like... In, 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 I guess whatever therapy or whatever he had done or stuff that he talked about with the members of AA, one of the the real moments of his life where he realized that he was worthless, you know, in terms of his mm-hmm. own, like the things that probably drove him to, you know, hide behind booze for the years that he did and, you know, just his own inadequacies came down to this moment of being in foster care and realizing that he was a burden, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like that stayed with him for that stayed with him for a lot of his life. But anyway, he, he wrote that. And we fucking forced him to eat peanut butter. Poor bastard. I think I remember watching that in the documentary, all right? And he, come on, Dad, you got to eat something. Yeah, it's in the like, book. Yeah. It's in the book, actually. You, you remember it from reading in the in the book. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah there, was, yeah, there was a documentary on RT as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't get into the peanut butter. Okay, right, right. right. <laughs> Coincidentally, I love my brother Aiden hated peanut butter when we were growing up, too. So really? there might be a double bubble, you know? <laughs> there might actually be a little bit of a of a genetic dislike for fucking peanut butter. You couldn't fucking go near my brother if you had peanut butter. Really? Aiden, yeah. He doesn't like the smell of it or anything Hated like that. the smell of it. <laughs> fucking peanut butter, man. You fucking ate peanut butter. Get away from me, bro. <laughs> so Aiden was very anti-peanut butter. And you couldn't you couldn't put your fork near his food. And whatever. My brother, my brother Mike, you know, he was like, we all had our personality. But Mike was a little bit of a scooch, as my father would call him. Like a, he, he, he liked to sort of like fucking wind you up a little bit. That okay. was kind of like his thing. Yeah. So, my brother Mike would always fucking touch Aiden's food deliberately, and then Aiden would be like, "I can't eat it now. I can't fucking eat it." <laughs> and then my mother would be like, "Eat it, eat it." You know, Aiden only pasta with butter. Aiden was like oh, really wow. finicky. That's funny. My sister was the same with pasta. She would only like no sauce, no sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a youngest thing, but like, and she had a lisp at the time, like no sauce, mom, no sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aiden yeah. had a load of funny. He, he called Joseph Jofus. <laughs> and he called Burger King Burger King. Burger King. Yeah, so then we'd always joke around and be like, Mom, let's go to Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> Jofus. My, my daughter loves a, loves a Bergen now. She means a burger, but she calls it a Bergen. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she wants a burger and some bourbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, that's a, that's a few different generations of, uh, of of parenting experience. How do we get on to talk about my dad? Oh, man, I'm lost now. But that was great. But it, like... Well, it's a good story. I mean, he's got. It's, it's also well. It was it was about parenting and trying not to. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because we were talking about what he said. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess in a, we'll have to get into. Um, we'll have to really talk about masculinity further uh, in the future because we've actually we've been chatting for uh, for five you know for fifty minutes, so we're good. You know, we've done the time. We, we've got it covered. We've got enough to come but back to. Moving forward, I, you know, moving forward, I do want to discuss where sort of, you know, issues around masculinity and gender intersect. Mm. In that, you, you, what were you bringing up to me in the cafe? You were saying about how we we celebrate men for doing sport and stuff like that. Well, well the, the opposite. Obviously, we're in a great time of of 
um, you know, of of modern day feminism and stuff like that, and how, and especially with having a daughter, you kind of think in terms of wanting your daughter to have the same opportunities as the boys would have. But what is championed now today's, for example, in in young girls coming up is doing anything that the boys can do. You know, so yes. if, if your young kid is really good at sports or inverted commas, the tomboy stuff that is celebrated because, yes, you can do whatever the boys can do. It is not celebrated on the other side. So if and and we ha- that discussion hasn't really been opened yet. I mean, it, it's celebrated a little bit in fashion, though. Yes, but I mean, th- but that's a very specific artistic world. And especially when you're talking about the base level of of young uh, children coming up. The, like there was these parents on RT um, debating it last week and how they're struggling with things like the colors of stuff of like yes. the boy wanted the pink straw in the restaurant they would automatically give him the blue but there's no there's no um, there's no pink one for the, the, the waiter would automatically oh you'll want yeah. the blue instead of the pink and stuff like that um, well, was, we, we've the, discussed the colors before you mm, know about that right did we no I don't remember oh well no I, sorry not us uh, the, the podcast right like I, I never knew this until recently like Pink being a female thing is a, a relatively new phenomenon. I say this as I'm wearing a very bright, yeah, no, quick, <laughs> bright pink hoodie. It's beautiful, but uh, to, yeah, that that it's actually it's not even it's really less than a hundred years old. The whole pink, right. pink feminine thing, right? Okay, so that 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 that's just a his, a cultural historical shift. Yes, nothing to do with uh like a natural propensity towards pink by mm. females. Right. Okay. It is. It is a, a learned. A learned thing. Yeah, it's a trend. Like anything else, it's a trend. Interesting. So a lot of people think, "Oh no, but women, girls like pink," as if that's like inherent in them. But mm. that's not. That's that is an external, external cultural thing that becomes part of who we are. That's learned. Yeah, totally. And and definitely like cause, like that's that's my daughter's favorite color, for example. But you can see if she's watching certain cartoons. Yeah, about, she's picked it up. It's all pink, 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 pink. You know that that kind of she has picked it up. So you can see how that kind of and it's hard programming to know what's works. Picked up and what isn't. Yes, totally. But the the argument then from the from the parents that were saying about the boys, you know, it's not celebrated if at that age they want to play with Barbie dolls or one one of the uh, I think it was a bike helmet or something like that. There was the girl Verticom was the girls' bike helmet, which was glittery. But the boy wanted that. Oh, they don't make them for boys. Do you know what I mean? So right. all that kind of stuff yes. is not being celebrated. And, and are we as open to those kind of things? Um, uh, that was the question. And the, the, the argument being that we're not that open to the to the opposite of the women doing what the boys can do Yes, at, at a young age. Which is a good point in that this really, I think this really does get into the field of, of gender studies. But for the people that resist that, say, for example, if Barbie decided... The company, what is it, Mattel? Mm. If Mattel decided that from now on we're marketing this product to all children, mm. and we're going to suggest that it's just as cool for boys to play with Barbies, but we're not going to do it in a way of like, "Hey, it's cool for you to play with Barbies too." We're just going to suddenly have boys playing with Barbies in our fucking ads, mm. and of course, marketing works. So suddenly, Barbies would become popular with boys, and then some people would suggest that that is. PC gone mad and you're trying to feminize boys. Mm. But what they don't realize is Barbie's being feminine was a fucking was a promotion too. Yeah, that was programming all along. Yeah, yeah, that was just that was a decision years ago years ago that was made. And I mean we will we'll talk about it again in the future, but that's the same when we talk in terms of marketing towards women and the the pressure that women will be on because of marketing, movies, etc., what their bodies should commas again look like. And what uh what we don't talk about is actually let's have a look at how men are portrayed in marketing. What's it like to be a man? So then you realize an advertisement for a watch and the way that that has all been shot, Cristiano Ronaldo and his boxers, six-pack, perfect hair, white teeth, on his own. You know what I mean? That's a big thing, like the lonesome, strong, masculine figure, kind of all that. And you realize, and that's what's in this uh, documentary series as well, they explore how masculinity to, to men, to, to grown adults, is portrayed. In, and it's, it's all about being on your own, being stoic, not, not expressing yourself. Oh, yeah, stoic yourself, is all that number kind of one, stuff. like strong, stoic. Strong, yeah, on your own and all that um, kind of stuff. And that actually, again, another interesting point in that documentary series, how young boys in school today are thinking in terms of com- cosmetic surgery because they know that Ronaldo did his teeth or he did this to his skin or his eyebrows. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, shit. 
young boys yeah, are thinking you, about you, that stuff. You know? I mean, I always argue to people when they say, like, I would never get fillers. And I said, would you get braces? Mm. And they're like, yeah, that's different. But of course it's not. Of course it's not. But that's a perception thing. Yeah. yeah. But that that is that all that is changing. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's positive or negative, I don't know. But that, you know, that's that's also where body image shit intersects with gender and... Totally. So fucking, it's a, it's a big field we're getting into here, bro. Massive. Well, let's leave it there for today. Absolutely. Just to, to save our listeners, because, you know, I don't know, I, possibly we need to maybe think about being funnier. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We need Joanne to fucking step in here and yeah, stop yeah, us yeah. having our little what therapy. What are you being serious for? What are you fucking being hell. Oh, my, oh my God. Oh, my God. You sound like fucking, we're in fucking group therapy here. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And just fucking, just have a fucking drink. It's wine o'clock. Fucking let it go. Wine o'clock, yeah. I'm getting her a Zoom H6. Yeah. Yeah, I got to deliver it tomorrow. And then over the, to the UK. Well, no, she's actually going to be here tomorrow, but then okay. she'll she'll have a Zoom so then she can uh, she can do what Katie does. Yes. And we can really get this party started. You ever Boom. thought of any names? Uh I did think of one, but then I thought, oh, that's a negative. But anyway, I don't well, know. What is it? It was Shop Talk, but I don't think it's Shop Shop Talk is a ne- I thought oh, that's cool cuz it doesn't tie us down to talking about anything in particular. We're just talking well, shop we're, we're or, or talking shop. But then I, I looked up the definition of it, and people see that as a negative talk. Really? Shop. Well, they go, ah, don't be talking shop. But I think talking shop isn't a bad. Not a bad one. It's not a bad. I mean, one. It, it, it's certainly it's certainly good uh, to just put the names out and not not be concerned about the judgment because often, even if it's not a good name, it it begins a, a journey of connections between words that might yes. get to the actual name. Yes. You know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the talking shop is out there. Yeah. Because it can be talking shop with Des Bishop and Stephen or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the only reason I don't like talking shop is maybe it's 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 just overly generic. Yeah. But but it's it's not a bad name. But it does sound like 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 a Saturday afternoon show on News Talk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is fine. But it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. But I guess because we're comedians, maybe we should try to give it something... Make it but fun. it's a good suggestion. It's certainly better than the no suggestions that I have right now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I personally like threesome, but you know, I, 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 I guess. But also that, and just from the from the point of view, like that, that dynamic can change. It might be two sometimes. Yes. And it might be yes. you might have guests on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So exactly. you don't know what way the it's so a dynamic isn't always going to be the three or whatever. But yes, yes, we'll work on it. The collective. Yeah. <laughs> the comedy uh, collective. Yeah. The the the. The the introspection section. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the the fucking the gender benders. Gender <laughs> the 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 fucking the the Barbie boys. Yeah, the Barbie oh that's good. Oh but the when fucking Joanne's Joanne's fucking it up. Hey. Women always yeah. fucking it up. <laughs> um Yeah, Joanne, you can play too. <laughs> you can play with the Barbies too, Joanne. Welcome to the future. Barbie boys. <laughs> Barbie boys is funny. Yeah, the Barbie boys. What's it, what's uh, more gender neutral than than boys or girls? The Barbie guys? No. The Barbie gang. The, the, the Bloodhound gang. gang. The Barbie gang. And we can merch those pink hoodies. Yeah. Amazing. Pink hoodies. Like, boys or girls are welcome. Um, uh, anyway, whatever. Let's not, let's just leave it for now. I really have to pee, which is how it's all, always the all, end. All, Me too. <laughs> all episodes finish with having to pee. Well, we don't have ad breaks when you're recording a podcast. You know, when yeah, you're in a fucking true. radio studio, if it's one of these long interviews, there's an ad break. Yeah. Or they put on a song and they go for a pee. Yeah, they, they put on a song and go for a pee. Exactly. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, thanks, Steve, as always, for his time. Uh, we'll be back next week. Not sure what we'll be talking about, but we will be back. I'm not sure if Joanne will be back, um, or Joanne will be on, but I'll know that this week. I'm buying her some equipment, so we'll be able to do episodes remotely if uh, if we're all not in the same city. Um, so, like I said, at Des Bishop, uh, at Hello Stevo uh, on Instagram, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Des Bishop, uh, if you're on Facebook. And at Des Bishop on Twitter, we do love the feedback. Thanks for all your feedback about the episode with Lynn. Um, we'll be keeping it going. So do spread the word. Five stars on iTunes. You know, by the way, make sure you subscribe. I don't know if, you know, if, if you haven't subscribed to the pod, do subscribe. Uh, 
because it'll remind you to have a listen. I'm getting it up early this week, so hopefully you guys are listening to this on your Friday morning commute because I'm definitely going to have it up on Thursday evening. And I'll try to keep that going on the regular. Get that Friday morning commute going. Anyway, guys, have a great day. Thanks. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.